Yeah, it's it's cold down here. It's it's chilly. It's it's cool as Ant Man and the Wasp. Quantum Mania. <laughs> That's how it starts. That's how it starts. <laughs> Look, I, I drug myself out of a year-long comic book oh. uh, movie moratorium. Drug for this. Drug. Uh, dr- yes, drug? exactly. Drug. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Nice doing <gasps> doing lines off the microphone. That's a new one. I haven't seen that. Actually, doing lines off the pop filter. Wow. wow. Um, but no, I. Really gives gang, a good pop. Well, look, I'm excited because I've got a lot of Earth's Mightiest Critics back here together again. Um, it's been way too long, gang, and I'm, I'm thrilled that you could all join me here. I wish it were under better circumstances. Uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, uh, Ant-Man 3, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Mania. we're here to talk about it. Um, it was, I think, the second lowest reviewed, worst reviewed uh, Marvel movie on the old tomato meter. Um, I do believe it, you were right. Open to what a two hundred and twenty something million dollar global box office. I don't know exactly what that means because it's a four day weekend. I'm not. I'm just trying to set this up that this is the big kick open the door of Marvel Phase Five. I have very little context of Phase Four because I dropped out for most of it. But from what I have heard about Phase Four, this is sort of in keeping with that, and it doesn't seem like this is a great start for the next couple years of marvel let me just start with this first of all uh let's do some introductions around the room because you know for those who are watching it has been a long time <laughs> i'm ian simmons of kicking the seat we have jeff york of the establishing shot we have annie banks of chuckload of comics and uh and a billion other things tell annie what all are you up to right now mm-hmm. um what can i actually talk about that's a good question oh um, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I'm still working at the Mary Sue, so follow us or not, you're not going to hurt my feelings either way. Um, <laughs> I'm there primarily. And then I am still writing for Chuckle.com Comics, uh, but I have been dabbling in some other spots that I cannot disclose on the stream. Wow. Uh, are they, woman is, this like, is this like a ghostwriting thing or is this something it is, like it's, yes. oh, okay. Oh, I thought it was like something okay. cooking that you're going to okay. announce later, but we a little never bit. Know. I can tell you guys afterwards, but it's definitely a ghostwriting thing. Okay. okay. Mm. Just tell me one of those credits well, is not Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania. <laughs> Blink two times if you're safe, Annie. <laughs> I don't know. Age like Paul Rudd, like in that picture I sent you. Um, Man, no. Unfortunately, I am not loveless, and I did not write a really bad screenplay. Maybe (laughs) in the future, Um, but this is unrelated to the entertainment sector. Oh, okay. Wow, I love the mystery. Don Shanahan of Every Movie Has a Lesson and Twenty Five While and. Soon to be forthcoming, the 100th episode of the Cinephile Hissy Fit yeah. podcast. Oh, no, no. It's two things happening, Mr. 100. One, it's the 100th episode of the Cinephile Hissy Fit podcast this Friday. Two, tonight is my 100th appearance on Kicking the Seat over the years. Oh, what? Wow. It's 100 right today. Mm-hmm. That's wow. That's amazing. Yeah. I, I'm glad you're keeping track because I, I lose track of all of this stuff. Oh, but, wow. Yeah. This is it, man. All right. Well, I'm I know. happy to have you aboard, as always. Um, what can we expect for the... Uh, is this the night of keeping secrets? Can you tell us anything about episode 100? <laughs> right. So for Cinephile History Fit, Will Johnson and I are... Compa- uh, we did the exercise of coming up with our top 100 all-time favorite movies. We did like the pub meeple ranking engine and let the algorithms line them up like this versus this, and it makes your list when you're done. And we're comparing our list of 100 in a unique fashion. Mm. All right. And I we'll love put those you. on Letterboxd. Well, 
already put his on letterbox i'll put mine on letterbox friday I'm supposed to keep it close to the vest for a surprise but he doesn't do it and i do but oh well <laughs> now mr johnson was unable to join us this evening do you sure. uh, have you have you talked to have, have you conferred on his thoughts because we have, have the dc shell in the room yes uh, do you have thoughts from the mcu uh shell like mm, briefly. I, can, I can put those through when we get to that round circle later. You betcha. Okay, excellent. <laughs> Mike Crowley of You'll Probably Agree. Welcome back, sir. And, Hello. and also speaking of things that are going up, our conversation we did with uh, with Pat McDonald on, on the Oscar movies. That just yeah. came out this afternoon. Very exciting stuff. All the top 10 Oscar nominations. And if you're lazy like me, I have them all time marked. If you want to go to which film you want to see. But Lots of yeah, definitely lots of thoughts. One of our one of our snippets actually I put up on TikTok, and it was about us talking about everything, everywhere, all at once. And everyone started going a little crazy in the comments section. We'll say, <laughs> nice. Yeah. At um, one point, they're like, "Oh yeah, three white guys talking about the everything, everywhere, all at once." And I'm like, "Well, actually, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's you know, that's the kind Not of reaction as bad as that the you BAFTAs. want." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, every time someone says BAFTA, I hear bathtub. But anyway, I hear BAFTA uh, like Star Wars. Or oh, BAFTA, yeah, the the yeah. Ba the BAFTA tank. There you go. Oh. Yeah. Um, all right. So, and then lastly, we have Mark the Movie Man Krawcheck, the DC shill. All right. Oh, there he oh, goes. Man, you're fully decked out. In, uh... <laughs> oh my God. Get it, buddy. That's what I'm talking about. Wait, well, we're here to talk about Batman and the Flash Gunamania, right? Yeah, that's oh, all. Yes. Yeah, yeah, In yeah. fact, that's my surprise to y'all. We're going to pivot and not even talk about uh, <laughs> Ant-Man 3. No, Can we um, just play the trailer on loop for the next hour or so and like that's... talk over it? Yes, yes, we'll do that. Um, Annie, I like your thinking. <laughs> Mark, what are you drinking there? Is that like a bat uh, DC-themed you know, juice, I know too? I, I wish it was. It's Chi-Chi's Strawberry Daiquiri. Uh, ten for a dollar, ten for ten right now at Jewel. Exactly, exactly. Metro Market and Festival Foods a buck. Actually, Festival Food has all kinds of little samplers for a buck. You can get these. I've so got. What the, is that, what's the difference between ten for ten and Jewel and a buck a piece <laughs> anywhere else? This location, same, no, location, location, location. It was a location. <laughs> Go ahead, it, Mark. Well, well, it it's, it's better, always a buck. They're they're always a buck only. You don't have to get ten right. or whatever. They're just a buck only. But, but they're but different samples. And yeah, this is the Chi Chi's strawberry daiquiri. Never had it before. Usually the mudslide is the only other one I really like uh, of the Chi Chi's, but uh, I've got the Dr. McGillicuddy's apple pie upstairs. I should have hey, Go get that. that. Why didn't you tell us we were going to have the doctor around? Ants like, <laughs> ants like fruit and vegetables. That's right. That's right. I guess I'll talk about Ant Man as well. Sure. Well, yeah, speaking of vegetables, um, <laughs> we're going to talk about uh, Ant Man the Wasp. Quantum Media. I'm 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 being paid by the by the times I, I say that title uh, in full on the show. Just kidding. Um, well, folks out there, uh, whoever's watching this either now or in the future, uh, if you have any comments or questions for the panel, you can drop them in the comments. And we will read them and react live here. Um, but let's see, uh, Don, mm. why don't you summarize this film for us oh. the best that you can? Okay, um, it ends how it begins. Uh, we start in San Francisco. We go to some places in between, and we make it back to San Francisco, um, conveniently every single step of the way. No, um, we are at a place where um, this is post blip uh, Ant Man, where um, Scott Lang is kind of feeling the effects of being one of the last 
I guess, active Avengers standing, even though he's not really doing any crime fighting. He's kind of dealing with the blip and the five years and the teenage daughter and what to do with kind of his life and legacy as being kind of the guy that got them, helped get them through the whole Thanos pickle that apparently all of the world knows. Um, in the meantime, he's um, his daughter is experimenting with the, uh, communicating with the quantum realm through different little science experiments that are kind of uh, massaged by the shoulders by her, uh, grandmother and grandfather, I guess that would be who they are, correct? I would say mostly grandfather, considering yeah. what we come to know about uh, Miss Janet. That's right. So um, she's kind of getting encouraged to kind of get, get her science on, and she does, um, maybe in a little bit too good of a way in terms of connecting with the quantum realm, as Janet would like to tell us, that is not the best idea to do. And sure enough, it's not the best idea, because they all get sucked in and end up in the quantum realm, which, is, of course, is... Good Ant-Man fans know is a place that Janet Van Dyne has spent many a moons uh, figuring out how to get in, you know, survive there, but also get out of there. And uh, in her time there, she has met Kang the Conqueror, or at least one vestige of Kang that we're supposed to know from the very multiverse of things that uh, constitute what this whole phase four has been. And um, hijinks ensue in terms of what the uh, Van Dyne and Lang family can do to... Uh, kind of you know usurp Kane if they can and still get home in the process and guess what they do guys come on you know so that's the best i got for you plot summary wise good Soft. job Soft. i here's the thing annie i yeah. had messaged you before uh i went to see this with my wife and my young son asking if we should watch the last episode of Loki for context because that was the true introduction of Kang. Now, anyone who doesn't didn't watch Loki or doesn't have Disney Plus, they won't. They'll probably think that Kang's first appearance was in this movie. Uh, you recommended that that we do. I watched with my wife. I'm kind of glad we didn't involve my five year old because I don't think he would have sat still because it's a lot of talking and speechifying and stuff. Um, but it's a hell of an introduction. I for a lot of people gave Jonathan Majors crap for that kind of appearance that thought he was kind of too goofy or whatever, but watching it again, I thought it was a really cool performance. And it, the fact that it is an aspect of Kang and not the super villain that we're you know going to see in the later part of phase five, I thought was fascinating. And then we kind of get reintroduced to him here. And this is kind of spoilery, but in fact, let me put on the, uh, the banner here. Ah, it's been a while folks. Sorry. Okay, we're talking spoilers. He gets defeated mm. again at the end of this movie. So you've got a supervillain who's supposed to be the big next, the, the successor to Thanos in terms of his ability to shake the Marvel Universe to its core. He's been defeated twice by kind of lesser, by what lesser known supervillain and lesser known Avenger. How is anybody supposed to take him seriously? I know we've got some post credit scenes that are, you know, are alluding to big and bad great things to come but of all the problems this movie has i think the biggest is that they took a character and an actor that i think people were kind of excited for and just squashed him like a bug thoughts oh <sighs> yeah well, i is... think you're oh, go i'm ahead. sorry go ahead no please uh, well it's basically this movie is banking on Jonathan Majors exclusively. And if we look back at a movie he was in earlier this year, Devotion, he had to carry that movie on his shoulders as well. But if this is all the payoff we're going to get with this whole multiverse thing, I'm extremely underwhelmed. You know, if the, the, 
why movies such as Spider-Man No Way Home worked was because they had characters who are a part of our childhood coming together in one, but they make it solely focused on that main character. Here, this movie just wants to open up doors and tell you and tease you about things to come, but yet you don't really see what that thing is. They keep going, oh, there's, there's a world full of surprises, and, and you're going to see. Just just hang on. Just wait. It's coming. It's like, okay, where is it? Is it? Am I just getting Darren? Is that the big surprise? <laughs> we'll talk about MODOK in a, in a few, but... Uh, yeah, the, the the movie does suffer from the, you know, something's coming, something is around the corner, you're not going to believe this giant threat. It just, it's like half the dialogue in this film, I swear. Yeah. Well, well, to your original uh, question, uh, Ian, I think that the problem here is that we have seen now in the two evident uh, examples that you stated as evidence, as well as sitting through this movie, that stakes are really what's the problem in the MCU right now. Uh, there's nothing to be gained or lost if you can always reset things or say, well, he didn't really get defeated or he comes back in 10,000 more versions of himself or uh, where are the victories? What, what's at stake? Nobody dies. Nobody really gets you know put out to pasture. And it's becoming more and more of a problem in the MCU that what is really going on here? I mean, I know you can't kill off main characters necessarily, but right. why not? Why can't you kill off some of the supporting people? Put something at stake. I mean, you know, uh, it takes me back to when Peter Parker walked away from Mary Kay, uh, Mary uh, Jane at the end of the first Spider-Man because he didn't want to get her killed. Mm -hmm. And so he gives up potential happiness. As I now grant you the subsequent films, uh, you know, sort of wove around some of that. But uh, Gwen Stacy died in the one. And here I just was watching this thinking, okay, it's another big all hands on deck. Everybody's kind of fighting in this huge epic. Here we are in this avatar created weird world again with so much money spent on the CGI and everything. And at the end, to Don's point, we end up exactly where we are. Nothing's really been lost. Everybody's still alive. Kang is fighting another day. And oh, look, we've got a couple of, uh, you know, sneaks at the end to, to prove that very notion. So I'm sitting there thinking it's some of it's very funny, some of it's very clever and well done uh some weird ass characters that are amusing uh it's kind of like the cantina scene from star wars on steroids in parts but what are we fighting for here i don't really see them fighting for humanity or the galaxy or the world and and too often now these characters just keep coming back and coming back and you know loki's all worried about it in the old west great so are you going to have limited weapons there or can you snap your fingers and go back to a different time period too where the West doesn't matter at all? I don't know. That's my biggest problem right now with this fifth uh, sort of tier is like they have established that snaps and multiverses and all kinds of things can just be retrofitted or redone depending on the whims of villains and heroes. So I'm not sure why I should invest in all this when nothing seems to be invested in the storytelling. At least well, not real stakes. Well, you know, that this gets to the point of uh, something I was thinking about after I saw the film, which was that the trailers sell a movie that we don't get. Uh, <laughs> totally. The, the, the story yeah. from the trailers that I... And now, everything that's in the trailers is in the movie, but it's, mm -hmm. you know, snippets cleverly culled from here and there to put together a story that, again, we don't get. I thought that this was going to be 
Scott Lang and his friends get sucked into the quantum realm. They run into Kang and Scott is disconnected from his daughter, Cassie, because, they, you know, he lost five years and then, uh, you know, the blip and the snap and the blip and all that business. And he really misses his daughter growing up. And Kang says, well, I can give you back that time, but I need something from you. And mm -hmm. I thought there'd like a be, be a betrayal. Like somehow Scott has the ability to get Kang out of the, you know, out of the quantum realm. And then there's a betrayal. And that's why I was disappointed because I thought, well, they just gave away the whole movie, but they didn't. They That was not the movie we got really at all. And I think it would have been great if this had been, you know, Ant-Man, the Ant-Man <laughs> films have been these kind of, you know, caper comedies, these light fluffy adventures it would have been great to kick off phase five with a sort of version of that that ends on a really down note sort of like the end of loki where loki emerges and you know the, the whole world and the multiverse is kind of going to hell and scott they, they kind of try and do that uh, at the end of this movie where it's like what if i have unleashed uh yeah. the apocalypse but then it's like eh, it's probably fine and he eats some like really nasty cake and cut to credits uh it's just yeah it's a very bizarre movie and mark i know you're the the dc shill <laughs> and this must be filling you with joy but uh no yeah. no, no, no i like marvel and i like dc i just want to see a good film now this is a marvel film I'm, that's what I commented when I went. You look at it; it hits all the Marvel beats that you've seen. the The problem is, this is not. I put this in my review. The characters were ready for a story of this epic size. The writer, director, and editor of this film were not ready for a film of this epic size. Well said. Yeah. And and just. So just from a filmmaking, because I'm not very familiar with most of the characters. The only thing I know from most of these characters is from the films. And Ant-Man 1 and 2 have been some of my favorite Marvel films because they were more street-level type thing. Scott had touched on stuff that was of the bigger picture, but it still was in his own world. We got his buddies who gave a wonderful recap, but the mm -hmm. tone always stayed kind of light even when it got heavy in two it was still fairly light that was ant-man it's supposed to be ant-man here you have heavy scenes that work you have comedic scenes that work you don't have comedic and heavy scenes that work together the mm. tone of this film is so much to where it's like someone it's like a poor man's guardian of the galaxy to where they're trying to do something similar to guardians you could feel it but it's just not there given to a screenwriter who is going to cover the Kang dynasty, which should worry oh, some people writing the Kang dynasty. And in this one, it just felt like it felt like the material got away from him. So you get these wonderful Ant-Man moments and then you get these Avenger moments, but they don't fit. And then Modoc's a whole nother story <laughs> to oh, which boy. I, I, you know, I said this about Green Lantern, too, and, and I, I actually like some things about Green Lantern, okay? They tried, especially when it came out. But when you read the Green Lantern comics and some other comics, there are some things that translate really well to live action, and then there are some things that do not translate well to live action, no matter mm -hmm. what you do. And MODOK was one of those yeah. characters that he does it within this context. You could get away with Kang and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but, you know, Craig, I mean, in Teenage, but that's because you've got big ass turtles walking around. The way the whole movie is set up, you can buy yeah. it a little bit more. But here, 
it just every time I saw Modoc, it took me just right. It, it any type of emotional investment was gone because I was just like, that is just weird. And King, I love he is Jonathan Majors. He's trying so hard, and his character I love. I love his Kang character. I think he's an interesting character, the way he plays it, the way he talks and interacts with the heroes. The whole nine yards, I, I, I am intrigued by him. If it wasn't for him, the rest of this movie oh, just it wouldn't would exist. really fall flat yeah. for me. Yeah, I'm in, I want to see more Kang, but not, not horribly makeup at the last minute tag on Kang scenes like we got at <laughs> yeah. the end here. I want to see Kang that you had at the end of Loki and even most of Kang that you have here. Yeah. Most of those. Cause that's, that's cinematically. Yeah. Cause right. even him as, as a comic book character with the weird helmet and the blue face and the, and the whatever lighting they do to kind of play, like, even that doesn't look good. Just have John, the major majors be scarred up in a, in a great tunic and you're done. Yeah. Don't need anything more than that. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a bit like when I when you see Spider Man three, like Ven- Venom doesn't work so well. When why why do they always show their faces when they don't have to? Either stick exactly. with the blue or yeah. don't stick with the blue. It's you know they they paid all this money for these actors. They gotta you know get their money's worth because you could just yeah. have anybody behind that that CGI goo. Annie, yeah. jump yes. in here. Um, I am embarrassed for Marvel. Um, I am embarrassed because I took a good family friend of mine to go see this and <laughs> it's going to be really good. And we met up yesterday and he's like, I didn't really like it. I was like, thank God. I felt so <laughs> bad on the drive home. Um, you know, I, as a non-trailer watcher, I avoided watching that just because I knew that it's an old marketing trick to cut the best parts and the most expensive parts of the movie and stitch together and feed an yep. audience something that they want to see and hype these expectations and then just let them plummet and they can't do anything because you know if you really want to what you know that flash trailer is the same thing i didn't watch it so i wouldn't know don um (laughs) but you can you can have your fun watch it all day long Mm. Uh, you're the no no trailer guy what are you doing commenting on a trailer Guaranteed, it's the stitch to the like. I bet. Uh, I bet. Okay. There's eight seconds of Michael Doug- or Michael Keaton in the whole movie, and you got all eight seconds in the trailer. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll we'll see, Mark. Yes, we shall see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My bet was twenty. Sorry, minutes. Annie. My bet. All right, yeah. Annie. Yeah. Sorry. Um, I was really unimpressed with Catherine Newton as Cassie. I think that Emma Furman should have not have been just booted off of the role, especially through social media. Um, that is incredibly disappointing and disheartening of Marvel to do. You know, if you're a multi-billion dollar studio, just tell someone. Don't make a social media post that you're going to be recasting a role. Oh, um, I, I didn't hear also, about that, that drama. Yeah, so the, the previous wow. actress who was Cassie Lang in Endgame, from like the five minutes that we actually got to see her and interact with her, she brought a really emotionally charged performance. Mm-hmm. And uh, she lost the role to Catherine Newton, and Marvel announced the recast, I believe it was through Instagram? Instagram or Facebook. Wow. And that's how the actress found out. Um and I just think it was a total downgrade. I think that this was totally miscast. There was nothing about Cassie that was very magnetizing. I, you know, they tried to make her this politically outspoken young woman. And I just, I felt like it was Catherine Newton reading off a of cue cards 30 feet behind the camera somewhere. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't know anything about Catherine Newton so she was, as an actress. She was in, um, oh goodness. Big Freaking Little Lies. 13 Reasons Why. And Big Little Lies. She- Big Little Lies. 
Yeah. Okay. I've refused to watch 13 Reasons Why just because it's it romanticizes the wrong parts of mental health um, and other things. But I, you know, kind of being introduced to her performances, this isn't the best way that I want to become acquainted with her work or with Cassie Lang. Cassie in the comics, you know, it becomes stature and kind of is folded into the Young Avengers. And I was kind of wishing she'd be stuck in the quantum world. <laughs> I'm serious. I, I There was a leaked ending where it was, um, I think it was Hope and Cassie or Cassie and Scott were stuck at the end and they were swallowed by the quantum realm. I'm like, that's fine. That is perfectly fine by me. They get their, their reconnection and you get a nice sending off for both of them while kind of closing the chapter on the Ant-Man saga. Um, I, I was just really underwhelmed by the direction. It's such a huge undertaking and not everything needs to be an Avengers level threat. It doesn't have to be this huge event mm-hmm. where I have to pull out my bingo card and check off a box every time something happens because I really like the first two Ant-Man movies. The second, the first one more than the second one. Um, but I just, I think it was, it tried too hard to be something that it wasn't. And these expectations has swelled tremendously where everything needs to be um, this, this midnight going call off school the next day, <laughs> sick at work to go see, you know, this, it's not like Endgame back in 2019. Um, where you're, you're, you know, planning months in advance to sit down with your friends and watch this. Um, and I just, for an Ant-Man movie, it wasn't really about Ant-Man. And I wanted no, to see no. some sort of continuation of Scott's story, especially with the charm that Paul Rudd brings to this role. That's that's the best part of it. He is, or he was, the best part of the series, where you wanted to, to kind of relax and enjoy it. It was such easy wa- watching you, where, you know, you didn't have to mm-hmm. think, do homework and do anything about it. Um, it was really frustrating because the inspirations from Star Wars and Dune and all of that, even Star Trek, if you want to venture that way, uh, with the freedom fighters and the sociopolitical elements of the quantum realm, which we really didn't learn about. You had to kind of look into that too. I'm like, I would love to know what the quantum realm is. Mm-hmm. I, if I, this is my first Marvel movie, I'm not going to know what's going on. I'm probably not going to go watch more of these. Um, it's it's weird because... To, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say. And then in addition, you know, I watched, I was, I had, um, oh my gosh, Infinity War on, just for background noise last night. And I was, after coming out Ant-Man, it was shocking how good the CGI was. For these five, six years ago, these movies, I'm like, this is, we took this for granted. Mm -hmm. I got to see Ant-Man and his friends standing in front of a green screen for two hours. And I, and, you know, we were talking about this at work this afternoon and we have like a meeting and then a meeting after to kind of where we pull the, the more uh, elevated team together and discuss what happened at the meeting before. And we just kind of sat in silence when someone was like, so what do we think of Ant-Man? And it was just like, for a very diverse and politically charged group, this is the first time we have all put our heads together and agreed that something was bad. <laughs> well, it, talking about the well, the 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 CGI and and the volume which they've been hyping, and I don't think that's going to last for more than another two. I think movies. The volume has done really cool stuff. And look, look at the Mandalorian, mm-hmm. shot beautifully. I, you know, it's stunning yeah. what they accomplished then, and but it's just so rushed, and they're not, they're cramped for time, and it's it's yeah. it overworking just... and underutilizing these artists and underpaying them. You know, yeah. you're, and I'm, I'm surprised. Not gonna, and I'm surprised because this is Bill Pope, a legit cinematographer too. Like he's not a bum, yeah. but they. Hey, but that, bum but work, that's that know? gets that gets to the point of like, 
you can have the world's greatest cinematographer, but if your mandate is we've got this giant soundstage, we're going to have our actors running towards the screen on treadmills, and we're right. just going to repeat that over and over and over again, and don't worry, they'll fix it in post. Right. It just it, none of it matters. Right. Um, so that's from every shot. Like if you see any of these Marvel movies, are lit the same. Mm -hmm. Just a little bit on the subject where it has to be perfect for the green screen in the background. And I'll say I did like the CGI in this movie. I don't know why. I thought it was colorful and crazy enough where it caught my eye. It didn't look cheap or vomity, fake like <laughs> Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness did. Mike, I'm going to challenge you on that because in those post-credit <laughs> scenes, especially when we meet the Council of Kings, oh. that color grading was awful. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, the color I grading. I had to like, is, talk yeah. to someone. I was like, "Was that the Scarlet Centurion?" I couldn't tell because right. my guy <laughs> looks brown and he's supposed to be Scarlet. Right. What well, is going on? Is, well, they, they they shoot it a certain way where it all has to match how they're going to do it in post. But yeah, unfortunately, it it looks ugly the way they do it. Like it looks good, the the world itself, but there are there are portions of the film where I'm going, yeah, this 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 could use some time on it, but unfortunately they well, just. It's, it's well, funny what you mentioned the world because I'm like looking at it, and I kind of mentioned this in my little one minute blurb. Um, it's a world that Strange World, the animated Disney film, was envious of because the one mm. thing I did love, even though if the CGI maybe even wasn't the sharpest. I loved the production design of the quantum realm. I wanted yeah. to explore it more. I loved the characters and the oddness. So I'm like, this is what Strange World should have been for Disney <laughs> um, because it looked, you know, the characters were unique. I give them props for coming up with actually out there concepts for this. I'm like, okay. I'm, broccoli man and slime guy. and But, you know. but the thing <laughs> is, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, I, real quick, I, I don't want to. I didn't talk too much. I apologize. But um, what would have made this film work and keep it at an Ant-Man level while still being in the quantum realm? And I, I was having a discussion with my buddy on this is the, the problem, I think, with Kang versus Thanos is that Thanos was in the background and we knew this threat, but we didn't know exactly much about him. We saw glimpses of him and after credit sequences or you got discussions or whatnot but you knew he was a big threat you knew the name enough you could tell he was pulling the strings they could have easily done that with this make this a modok villain as the main villain running the quantum realm let's just let's stay with me now i know what? i know i know i'm it makes sense, but at the same time, like, oh man, it's but it's Modok. You know? It's Modok, <laughs> but Ant Man is 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 light it doesn't enough. Doesn't even look like Corey Stahl. <laughs> no, I it's, know. What, and it's what Annie says is that this is lighter. You know, Ant Man films are, are have always been a bit of a lighter fare. Still yeah. have serious moments in their parts that will affect the MCU, but it's always been a lighter fare. You could add Modok, kept the light tone cut back a little bit on the heavy stuff, and then find out at the end that Modok was only being handled by Kang. You only get a bit of Kang, just enough to know that he's involved, you know, and then boom, you, you're you launching into it. That way you keep it street level even in the quantum realm. You keep it on Scott. You you cut out some of the extra stuff because if you remove Kang and just leave it to MODOK, you don't need all the stuff with um, Michelle Pfeiffer's character, uh, Van Dyne, even though I loved her in this. You could cut that stuff out and keep it so that it would be an Ant-Man film that's still crazy with all the crazy visuals and everything. Keep it light. You've got funny MODOK. You can keep things rolling. And then at the end, you hit it with, oh, yeah, by the way, 
Kang actually was pulling everything. And now you're not, Kang's still a mystery to most of your MCU movie fans who aren't familiar with the character. And you're like, okay, this seems like a really bad guy versus a guy who just got his ass kicked by ants. You know, <laughs> you know yeah, I, I'm there with you. My only, the only pushback I think I would have against that is that then I think it doesn't take much to see that Marvel is just doing the same thing over that they did in phases one through three. Anyway, yeah, (laughs) you're right. Like if you have Kang touchstone here and touchstone there, like we, he had a, you know, an episode's worth of time to really show up in Loki. He's got this movie's worth of time to like play this quantum realm stuff. And if he keeps interjecting himself into enough places in a more forceful way than the tease that was Thanos, yes, it counts as doing something different than what they did before. And I get Mm -hmm. why, that's the that's the the tendency or the the wish. Well, but, I will say so that I prefer Kang over Thanos. Mm-hmm. I feel like mm-hmm. Jonathan Majors. Yeah, I do. Oh, I prefer majors. just yeah, because that part, I yeah. put it by uh, Josh Brolin's performance. I I had no con- you know I was younger when these, the the Infinity Saga came out, and I was more invested in the MCU than I was the comics at the time. So trying to understand who Thanos was and build understand why he posed this great threat, I didn't get it. I wasn't as as literate. Um, I, I'm still not literate, but I'm working on that. Um, <laughs> uh, but I just a- I think with Kang and I Jonathan Major's performance really sells mm-hmm. it because you have a more grounded approach to him. Even though they tried to sell Thanos as a father and this murderous torture and you know his favorite daughter thing. As a daughter with a, you know, who has a sibling, I should relate to that more. I don't, I don't get that, you know. Um, In defense of Thanos, though, and I don't uh, disagree with a lot of what you're saying, Annie, is at least with Thanos, I understood the plot. I'm not sure I really am getting all the complications here and what his, if you will, end game is because it doesn't seem like there's anything at stake. He's got this great world he's created there, but he wants to, what, expand his horizons? I mean, I'm not sure. And I, I think to me, the big problem with the MCU right now is they start phase five. And, and this was a perfect example of the problem is what you're all saying about what you like about Ammon is, let's face it, it's smaller. Mm-hmm. It's not just smaller because he's a small superhero, <laughs> which is adorable and funny and counter to the, sort of the, the guys who are flying all over the place and doing monstrous things uh, uh, against big things. He's you know working on countertops and stuff. But it's a human story. It's down to earth more, as you said, uh, Mark. And I think that you know a lot of this stuff was recognizable. Even Thanos' scheme in the big epic that was uh, Infinity War and Endgame to basically thin the herd, I get that. I'm not sure I know what the hell's going on here anymore and why all of all the people, Scott Lang has to carry this this mm. humongous epic. Uh, and it worries me about like, is every movie gonna be like this now? It also worries me a little bit about that DC trailer for the Flash because like can we not just tell a simple story with one Batman or one villain or this, that? Now it's always it's all hands on deck, all the money, and you're right, the the money spent. They did a lot of create uh, crazy characters and some interesting art direction with production design and the land and everything else. We don't get to see much of it, but a lot of the special effects you could tell were rushed. They weren't really fully realized. It's too much to everywhere all at once. And I think we, we, I just wish they'd rein this shit back in because my worry is for the next eight films that are part of phase five, it's going to be like this all over again. Big, well, noisy, complicated, convoluted. And again, because you can travel across the multiverse, what's really going to 
be an end game. There is no yeah. end game here. Right. right. Now it can all be changed with a snap yeah. or by going to this universe or, hey, we're over here now, so we'll just bring this version who died over there back here, and then he continues on. That's bullshit. Mm, well, here's it, here's the thing. I, if there was – I know there was a big retreat a few months ago, and, and Feige and the, the creatives at Marvel said that they went away and they planned everything through Phase 6. But – looking at the roadmap of just the TV and movies that are coming out in the next year, I still don't see how this connects to Kang. I mean, Secret Invasion, I don't know if that has anything to do with this. I don't know if the Marvels has anything to do with this. I almost guarantee that Guardians of the... Hmm? Season two. No, but okay, but that's the exception. I mean, but we're talking about stuff that's coming out in the next you know, six months, you've also got Guardians 3. You get It's the, kind of the same thing at the end of Loki when they introduce Kang and they talk about he's going to be the big villain. He's going to come back in Ant-Man 3. And I remember saying at the time, that's two years from now. <laughs> like, when is, when is this whole yeah. thing about Kang is going to be the thing that really shakes the Marvel Universe to its core? When's that going to happen? Because you've also got things like Agatha Harkness and Echo and all this other you stuff. got a celestial hanging out of the planet after eternal it's like <laughs> right Earth's core still okay like what's happening here? And i guess we are just sort of giving up now that everybody has to watch everything to be able to track one film because they're all so dependent upon oh yeah everything else that's preceded there's yeah. no no such thing as a one-off or a self-contained story if i don't watch season of two of loki i can't appreciate that the next couple of movies is that how it's all going to go mm. I, to me that alienates a lot of potential audience there because i don't think people want to invest that much time and remember everything to your point waiting two years for uh kang to finally appear it's, it's that's that's abuse isn't it of an audience thinking that they're going to give that much time and attention to you i don't know if that's really fair well two years. oh sorry go ahead i'm sorry. Well, I was going to say especially I, I, just real quick Mar- you know, Marvel up until phase four, let's face it, everything, and this is before they really had the TV series, so you could really have movies that were connected. Now, some of them were more tangentially connected than the others, so you didn't have to necessarily see right. everything to get the bigger picture, but if you did, it was like it was like a bonus. But right. now that they've introduced television and all these kind of disparate movies, it just doesn't feel like it's one cohesive thing i just i don't know where it's going or you know why i should why i should bother following i will say that the final end credits stinger with that that was the that was the loki one right Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Mm -hmm. right Uh, that made me excited for loki season two i'm like (laughs) i want to stay in the old west that could be interesting maybe i want to yeah i want to stick around for a while yeah chasing kang through time and it looked like he was building the uh, the it looked like he was building a primitive version of the quantum portal that you know Scott had in the back of his truck at the end of uh, you know Ant Man two, but the one thing I wanted to kind of touch on is Ant Man is the character yeah he does take a back seat uh, in this film but he also takes a lot of abuse and I think unjustly so uh, Cassie is a completely different character in this movie not only for the reasons that you know Annie mentioned she was uh, recast sort of unjustly but in the first Ant-Man movie, she's you know she wants to be with her dad, and he wants nothing more than to be with her. In Avengers: uh, Endgame, when Scott comes back, she greets him, and she's got tears in her eyes, and she's so happy to see him, and, and they're kind of doting over each other. 
In this one, I understand she's a teenager and trying to like convey that rebellious phase, but she takes it to a whole nother level where she's not only trash talking him at the dinner table with like the whole kind of family assembled, like, you know, I'm out there, you know, saving homeless people from being driven out of a park. What are you doing, dad? And he's like, well, I kind of saved the world. And she's like, well, what are you doing right now? You're, you're selling books. I'm like, yeah, he's selling books because as we established in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, uh, you know, not everybody walks away from being an Avenger as a multimillionaire. They have to keep the money coming in. Mm-hmm. And not only is that allowed a victory lap. You know, yeah. right. But but not only that, no other other adults at the table stood up for Scott. They were kind of like, yeah. yeah, what have you been doing lately, Scott? I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, screw you guys. Like, I don't. <laughs> and then on top of that, Janet Van Dyne, I, I love Michelle Pfeiffer in this movie. It was weird because when they go off in this flashback jag where it's her and Jonathan Majors and you're finding out what, you know, the kind oh. of Kang's origin in this realm, I, I it kind of became a separate movie. And then when they got out of him, like, oh, yeah, that's right. This is an Ant-Man movie. I could have watched <laughs> the rest of their, you know, conflict going on. But I'm also thinking it's a bit of a stretch, two stretches. One, she's been out of this quantum realm for probably a couple of years in terms of like movie time, I would imagine. Yeah. In all that time, she did not mention Kang or what she saw in the quantum realm. It's a little bit thin. But the Uh other uh, problem with it is Cassie's building this Hubble telescope to the multiverse (laughs) in her own basement. And, Uh you know, Grandpa's uh, helping her and, you know, Hank or whatever is helping her build it. Uh, you know, Janet's a scientist and she's been down there. She could help map this, but everybody's keeping this from her because she's keeping things from them. I don't see how you build that in a basement without someone who actually lives in that house knowing anything about it. No breakfast conversations like that. That's almost a movie in itself. Like, how do we conspire to keep the secret from Janet? Uh, but we don't get it. So it's just this whole movie is kind of a, a foundational mess. And the Star Wars illusions and references not only in terms of like the visuals but like the storytelling thing like it's the uh rise of skywalker all over again we're sending out this signal but no one's gonna come oh my god everyone showed up yeah i'm totally checked out <laughs> yeah what's so up with this film it saves in those movies this is why i'm gonna do the bad thing huh bam here comes the good guys they do it every every movie that's what I feel like, you know, yeah, it's nice if that, as a as a disposable waste of two hours ant-man and the lost quantum media is definitely that but it definitely does nothing to build upon Marvel or whatever the heck this multiverse that everyone who's read the comics are hyping. I want to see actually put on screen at this point because I'm bored. This is, it's, it's not very good entertainment when uh, one of your protagonists is barely even in the movie, although like she's in the poster. And then the other problem <laughs> is you're, you're the king. The character doesn't change much, you know. Scott Lang doesn't change much throughout the movie. What he, what he learned uh, at the end? Yeah, I couldn't tell you nothing. Yeah. Well, uh, Annie, you'd mentioned what you'd said that there was a leaked ending where was it Scott and Cassie get? You said trapped in the quantum realm. Was it as kind of implied that they died there, or then they can't come back, or they're just kind of stuck there for a couple of movies or something? I only saw a few paragraphs, so it just, it sounds like at the very end when they're trying to get through that portal back to safety, it closes as it should have where I get threatened to a few times. Um, and it just, it's it's a cliffhanger. It leaves it open-ended. If they decide to proceed with Ant-Man 4 or kind of take that, and you know, 
end it all together and just kind of be like, oh no, we don't know what happened to him. Blah blah blah. You know, move on. Um, yeah, I, you know, it looked, it sounded like a better ending. It sounded, you know, it said that Kang and Modok both escaped mm. the quantum realm, leaving okay. the others stranded there, which I think that would have been a lot more interesting, you know, letting Kang kind of go into this modern day world instead of time hopping because we know he has that ability. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm really excited to see him. I did a little bit of research on Victor Timely, who we saw te teased in that last. That was the the King variant. Victor mm -hmm. Time is the variant. He'll oh, be okay. So that when he's doing the 1940s um, presentation in the West or whatever they may be, in the comics, it was an alternative of Nathan Richards, who was a variant of King. Oh. And he started a town in Wisconsin mm -hmm. and started his own civilization. You called Stevens Point. Mark's excited. Yeah. Nathan's point. Nathan's point. Nathan's point. You know, I think if that would have been a way to bring, you know, I think it's neat that they're doing the Victor Timely arc. If that is really the direction they're going in, or if it's another rug pull where it's just another toss away bit of footage that you're going to see in a trailer and then never discussed again. I don't know. Having him escape and having that. Havoc on real time in real time. I don't know. That would be interesting, especially because Marvel refuses to let go of the Thanos era. Like we learned that they're refusing to let go of the snap and everything. Play into that by bringing in this other threat. You can keep it there. You could do your Thanos ice cream shop and your snap or whatever. <laughs> I it's like it's like putting a 9-11 bar in your in your town. Like, what is the point? He's now endorsing Snapple. It's funny that you mentioned that Andy Manny, because in all honesty, I was where I thought the credits were going to roll on this. I would have probably felt better about the film than where it did. And where I thought the credits were going to roll and you probably all, it, it felt like it, it literally was directed that way uh, where they, they end up defeating Kang Cassie gets into the time portal along with grandpa and grandma and it, and it closes behind and hope and Scott are the two that are left behind in the yeah. quantum realm mm -hmm. with the victory cheer of the Ewoks banging on the drums, <laughs> you know, um, but basically, you know, that scene where they, they've got the camera coming, the lights coming in, they're staring over the crowd. The crowd's very happy that Scott helped them in the end. Boom. Black. End it freaking there and then do your tease for a cane during the mid credits mm -hmm. that would have been fantastic but then yeah and lost like you scott and hope are stuck and they don't know and right oh yeah i mean they're stuck they're stuck but scott was happy because he saved his daughter which was the whole point of this whole film was him exactly. wanting to at least save his daughter he knew she was safe again he's with hope who they finally are like hey you're hot you're hot too yay um, and, but three, it's still, a, it's a bittersweet ending because even though they're not back at the quantum realm anymore, they're with a group of people who they saved, you know? Right. So it, it's that bittersweet ending. And if you would have ended the credits there, instead of having the portal just open back up later, it was like, that felt cheap to me. I, I was hoping it would end at least going, okay, great ending. Hoping Scott in the quantum realm, who knows right. if we're ever going to see him again. But we might, you gave that option open, but at the same time, what's going to happen next? Well, and instead, I think at the, at the very least, they, 
Hmm? Oh, I'm sorry. I was, you can go ahead. I was going to say, at the very least, they could have, uh, when Scott's walking down the street, it reminded me of the, of the fake ending of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. It would have been great if he had just like run into Benedict Cumberbatch as he was falling on the sidewalk screaming and that third eye opened up. Because mm -hmm. I thought they were copying the same ending. Um, yeah, I do want to notice that something I thought about right before we got on here. Uh, this is the 31st Marvel uh, MCU film. Wow. Uh, wow. Which... which makes it uh, all the more appropriate that there's a Baskin Robbins tie-in all 31 yes. flavors. 31 oh, flavors. Yeah. That wasn't didn't Paul Rudd have a Baskin Robbins moment at like a Walmart in uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife is he just like secretly carrying this product place Yeah, he grabbed he grabbed there was there was Baskin Robbins in the freezer in the uh, ice cream figure. in the oh, in the Ghostbusters to throw throw the back to his reference of being stock. Ant man this yeah. this is the plot right. of Insidious Five. Um, I mean, it's great how this whole plot to the movie just seems totally inconsequential. <laughs> they keep telling us yeah. that he's going to do something bad. I'm like, okay, we'll start conquering. Please. Or how many well, times oh does a character God. say, "Oh, we're not going to talk about that right now." Oh, I can't talk about that right now. And like, oh yeah, you know, we're going to keep pushing things away, like Jeff said earlier. Yeah, you know, like, keep kicking, keep talking about it, talking road. about it. But yeah, the, uh, let's talk for a brief second about. My second favorite performance in the movie, aside from Michelle Pfeiffer, Bill Murray. I uh, I was fully mm. expecting him to just show up and like, hey, look, it's Bill Murray. But he was an actual character that gets five minutes of decent screen time. And it looked like he was giving a performance that was beyond him just like, you know, yeah, I just got to show up and, and be myself. Um, <laughs> he's got a, a history with with Janet. Um, and he's kind of he's basically the Lando Calrissian. This movie is nothing but Star Wars ripoffs. I'm telling you, he's the Lando Calrissian of the quantum realm, you know, selling out his friends. Was oh, there a shit. shot where he gets eaten by that giant monster? Because yes. I was I was expecting yes. that. I yes. couldn't tell because there's so much stuff going on in the background. But I'm pretty sure he got eaten by that thing that he was trying to drink. Um, yeah, that was that was a nice surprise. There, there are elements in this movie that I kind of liked, but as but a whole. And even that comes and goes. Like, like it was nice for the five minutes you got it, and then he's eaten. Wouldn't it be more fun if he's the next broker of things down there in the quantum realm? Like, if he was like Jeff Goldblum's character, the Taskmaster, where he's still kind of there, and you never know if that could pop up again. And like, just put some longevity to some some of these cameos, not just. Uh, it yeah, kind of reminded me of uh, Benicio del Toro's collector. From the mm -hmm. Guardians. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Get the collector. Mm. Get yeah. Get De uh, Goldblum, Del Toro, and Bill Murray. They could be. Oh. Maybe they. Maybe in an alternate timeline, they form the Watchers Council. There, there you go. go. There you <laughs> go. Yeah. I'd watch yeah. that. I'd watch yeah. that. Those pointy <laughs> yeah. white cape collar oh things. God. Yeah. Totally. I recently um, found out that Del Toro is a good friend of mine's cousin. Whoa. Yeah, because I texted him. I was like, I'm gonna go see him, man. You know, he's like, all right, I'll go with you. And then he didn't. And then I was like, I'm going to get someone else to go see Ant-Man with me. And I texted him, I'm like, your, Bill Murray looked a lot like your cousin Benicio in Guardians. That's your cousin, right? Wow. Just checking. And he's like, yeah, that's my cousin. So. Small get, world. get him on the show, Annie. Not a special guest appearance. No. <laughs> yeah, I'll small. see if I can get anything about Guardians 3 out of him first. Ooh. Well, that, that, that was the thing with this film is I was very interested in the side characters more so than any of our main characters. I yeah. mean, when they when you meet the revolutionaries 
in there. I loved that group of individuals, mm -hmm. you know, their leader and and the unique yeah. solo that, a Star Wars story. I, right. I name don't care. two of them. <laughs> right. There you can go. you name two of them? I can't yeah. name two of them. Light bulb and head and beard, and beard and broccoli Geno guy. Genotha? Genotha? Yeah. Genotha? You're just making up words, Genotha. Annie. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, we had that's a few a... drinks before I came on here, so probably. <laughs> All um, right. No, that was David uh, Dalmashton, right? Mm -hmm. Dalmashton? Sure. As, as the yeah. mob so. guy? Yeah. 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 Well, I'm glad is. they got someone from the original trio who belong in the Ant-Man movies, the side character. Where the hell is Louise? You know, our, uh, Michael. <laughs> Where's Howard the Duck? I want yes my back. With Thank the collector, you. that's the whole point. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, that's true. But, but this, this was one of those where it had interesting side characters I wanted to know more about, but we unfortunately mm -hmm. don't stand, stay with them enough to even know their names. But they're interesting characters. I, I wanted to know about this ragtag group and their conflict with Moda, but we don't get that. We, you know. It, even the I battles, has, even the I hazard battles. the guess mark. It's because that that's about all there is to it. I mean, these. Well, I mean, the, the, whole, the one of the problems is like it sort of is the cantina scene, but it's on almost a planetary level. And that's a problem because you just look at like, hey, there's two or three of these same like weird race of characters and there's like 5,000 of them. It didn't look like an actual weird integrated alien society. I couldn't tell mm -hmm. if anything like worked or how it worked or after the revolution's over, will any of these people get along uh, to form any kind of sustainable society? On top of that, like when Janet, I guess she was out in the wastelands, whatever that's supposed to mean, there was like nothing around her uh, in, when her ship crash landed. And then later she finds this whole like other civilization of, you know, alien creatures. And then there's wherever Kang lives, which is all like, you know, Tron super electrified city of like millions of, you know, soldiers. So mm -hmm. I don't know where the, any of these Close. people are in relation to each other. Like how big no is the clue. quantum realm? Because everyone seems to land in the exact same spot. Remember, isn't it supposed to also be subatomic? Like for all we right. know, it's on a drop of water in a park in San Francisco. Yeah. I don't Which, know. And, and yeah, and how does that line up with, is is the quantum realm unified? Is it like other drops of water and then this, or is it all just, I yeah. So many questions. Yeah. What no, I was going to say I earlier. Know. Is, hmm? is the TVA in the quantum realm? That's right. Where are they Is at? the time um, variance authority inside of this droplet or puddle or spot? Uh, I've seen this movie and Woody Allen's an ant and it's in Central Park and it's really adorable <laughs> and you get to the end and like, oh, it all was, was took place there. How about that? Oh, well, you know. That was ants. Or Strange World is on the back of some turtle, you know. And the top stops spinning, right? I guess. <laughs> um, one, one question I actually thought of while I was watching this because I was thinking of better movies like the Endgame. The Snap. The Snap was supposed to affect all life in the universe did it affect all life in the multiverse? Did it affect all life in the no. quantum realm? Not in the like, quantum realm. Because the quantum realm yeah. is part of our, yeah. like, maybe it's part of our universe. I don't know. Are there variant quantum realms? You could do like oh. a thousand movies about this, yeah. exploring ideas. It's almost insulting because I looked up the screenwriter for this movie and there's two credits. One is the main screenwriter and the other is Jack Kirby. And I'm like, I know Jack Kirby didn't write this because he's long dead, but he's, it's, it's not even gone. like... 
Right, but it's yeah. but on IMDb, it's not even like based on original material. It just says whatever this name is, and then Jack Kirby. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I, I I'd sue yeah. Kirby Estate, but they've, did you they've see this writers? Marvel. Did you see this yeah. writers' credits? It's like four oh yeah, Jimmy Kimmel and yeah, Jimmy and Kimmel and the Oscars. Yeah, and Rick they're and letting him do Kang Dynasty. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> yep. what surprised me when Whoa. I looked at no. his credits. No, let Daniel no, Destin no. Crichton do it. It's and, like and letting the, Michael Waldron do multiple Marvel projects. It's like they want to torch. They're laying down the gasoline and they're striking the match. Yeah, this is how I mean, they I'm win. All... This is how they self implode. Yeah, I mean, every dog has its day. Maybe this is. (laughs) I mean, I mean, I'm all for some of the. I I don't want to say it in this kind of way, but I'm all for the diversity of talent they've been trying to bring in in the last couple years post Endgame, where you know you've got the Agent Zero, you know, uh, female directing team doing uh, WandaVision. You've got you know um, the uh, the sci-fi guys who did like um, uh, what was that? Those great movies like Encounter and stuff like you're, and, and then the Moon Knight crew and like I guess Michael Waldron counts and this guy counts. Where I don't mind the diversity of talent they're trying to bring in, but maybe check if it's good talent. Well, I, I don't know. You know, or, like they're, just, they're getting lost roadmap. here. I, I, Don, I think it all comes back yeah. to the roadmap. Yeah. You know, and, and when you or do just the multiverse, it splinters like crazy. And I've been calling that a bad idea for two years in this show. So, oh, and it's all over the yeah. comics too, like in both DC mm-hmm. and Marvel. Like, mm-hmm. I am so yeah. sick of the word Crisis. multiverse that I don't know if I'm going to make it to Phase Six well, or through what? most yeah. of Phase Five. Another verse coming up, and it's going to be twenty times better because it's the Phil, Lord, Chris Miller team with the only multiverse that matters, and that is the Spider Verse. Oh, mm-hmm. see that's too much yeah. too uh, I, he is doing the thing no, by, nature, by nature of the flash um uh trailer it looks like they're taking the page from the whole multiverse world of mcu yep. uh yep, they the sure flash are. can they change are. time he meets himself he meets three batmans he's all over i mean well great like here's the bad guy here's his goal I, I, here's the good guy trying to stop <clears> that goal. i will i will plug ears in. everywhere i will <laughs> it's too much i will, uh, I will i don't I will want to invest s- that much in all of this backstory and having to remember who all these people are all the time i, I well, just think they're going to exhaust people after a couple yeah. more of these <laughs> well, the thing, uh, this... we're fu- we sound exhausted yeah. i always right, thought mark the uh, nostalgia of seeing Michael Keaton again, or Toby, or Andrew. What is there? Nothing. And so far, I don't see a lot. No, like it was cute for the few the, things they did, the and then flash, that's it. You could do the reverse Flash, which is basically Ezra Miller doing what they're doing right now, and make you know, you could do anything else. You could pull Grant Gustin into this. You could do some sort of Arrowverse revival on the screen. You could do literally anything else without having to tap into the three biggest names that the studio has got. Right. Yeah. But they're stuck though. They're in a, I mean, they've got all these finished projects that, I mean, they've got, they're dying in the vine. They have to release them to make some money before they start whatever they're going to start next, which I'm all for, but my goodness, like you're stuck with three movies now, right? Cause it's, it's this, it's Aquaman and it's blue beetle. Those are the three that are still Snyder. Blue Beetles is going to be in the new plan. It has been already it has been, it hasn't been talked sh- about okay. that. Uh, Blue Beetle will be part of the new plan, but Aquaman, uh, Guardians, and Guardians. Uh, well, not sorry, not Guardians. Aquaman, uh, the Flash, and Shazam. Shazam? 
and yeah. Shazam We're are the last the three. Are the yeah. last three that would be the tail end within the Snyderverse? And I'm all for you. I understand completely with the repeating. But on the one defense I would have for it, and it's not really a defense so much as just saying the the movies are suffering from what the comic books had in going into the 2000s and that and it's probably why i kind of fell out of it was there's so much crossover there's so much multiverse there's so much of this where they could just reset to where the stakes don't exactly matter in a lot of things because they just oh we're just in another universe we just bring this person back but there's always been similarities between dcu and marvel hey they've got their superman hey we've got our ms marvel guess what they're pretty much the same you you've got your time guys you've got your i mean they're very similar as far as abilities and your basic some of them a lot of them they're origin stories for crying out loud you know right um you know and i think it's not quite as prevalent in the comics or you accept it a little more because it's print and you get an issue every month and pretty soon that kind of fades to the back to where long term you're getting into it you can stretch it yeah, you can stretch well, our it's, movie. Yeah, or- it's, but it's funny because one of the things that I think in the last certainly twenty years of comics that has really become a big thing is sort of the one-off. You know, yeah. where they do a special mm-hmm. story, and you know, you can tell a story about Mystique, or you can tell a story about Catwoman when at Rome. Uh, again, maybe not for every character, but as they divvied up a lot of the the X Men, they did things like that. Those are just tailor-made for films if you want to tell oh, yeah. a good story over mm-hmm. here. But now it's all got to connect. The New 52 and the multiverses and the MCU, it's all just – it's like it's become a religion. Like you have to know everything about everything that's gone on before. Otherwise, you're really not going to necessarily get this. And I don't know. I just find that's kind of – crazy especially when you start finding and running into these obstacles like okay which universe are we in here or when's the origin story start or wait a minute that doesn't quite right uh, line up with this whose vision who's whatever it, it gets i mean we're spending so much time talking about all of this gobbledygook that is great but it 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 takes away from the simple fact is this good storytelling no it's not it's too no. complicated it's this is not world policy on foreign relations. They're comic book characters <laughs> who are trying to go out there and have some fun adventure. And I feel like I have to carry an Encyclopedia Britannica with me yeah. all the time to keep track of the players without a scorecard. It's ridiculous. There's a lot of fun in this movie, but the worry to me is where does all this go from here? Because if this is phase five, I think you're going to start bleeding fans. It only matters if you hit them in the wallet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have the Fantastic Four coming into this. You have Excellent. the X-Men coming into this. And both of those titles, you know, Ant-Man doesn't require a lot of nuance once you get that right beat that they what stayed with the first two. Right. They knew their formula. They had it down. And they could have done the same thing with this, Doubt Pact, even where you leave Kang to be this teaser at the end where you mention and mention and mention and Big Bad, oh, no, but we got Modak for most of it. And then you get that big reveal, <laughs> and that pulls you into Loki season two. Yeah. But when looking at more complex and... Um, diverse stories where you have to understand the greater scope of these individually standing storylines where it's not really a necessary in or you can't really find that tie i assume that they're going to do the x-men through deadpool 3 through the wolverine i know that mccallan and stewart are teasing some sort of comeback in a big way we 
that could be Secret Wars as well, which is another headache in itself. Oh, but, oh my. Yeah. Um, you know, when, when you're looking at this and you're like, this is supposed to be a family story. They can't tell a family story now. How are they going to tell the family story later of the Fantastic Four? Mm -hmm. Because they want it to be where Sue and Reed are raising their children. Right, right. And isn't isn't John Watts out? Like that was probably like I had a good encouragement because like that's a Spider-Man. Matt Shackman is in and he did WandaVision. So I'm I'm fine with that. That that's I'll take that for a family aspect. Like he can pull that off. Yeah. No. I think this Watts. this whole thing needs a screenwriting team to do all the movies and all the TV <laughs> shows. And I know it sounds daunting, but you give people <laughs> the money that you would give to you know all these different movies worth of screenwriters and you lock them away and you say come out in two years yep. with our next 10 years mapped out and we're just yeah. going to shoot these things because yeah. uh, it's just yeah it's there's no vision it's well literally because we saw at the end of you know, wandavision <laughs> that's right but um You're no gonna it's vision quest he's going to come back it's going to be white vision it's going to be is it going to be with uh with was that kevin bacon no that was oh else. vision anyway, quest. matthew modine vision matthew quest. modine i'm sorry modine, yeah. he's he's the he's the uh kevin bacon of non-kevin bacon movies and then we'll have um, a, a tie-in to stranger things there Ooh, you are. Yeah. Oh, the talk about upside down worlds. <laughs> all right. Well, okay. Here's the thing. We're gonna. We've got. This could go on all night. So I'm gonna. We got a ton of comments here. Ooh, Let's all right. see. All right. This is gonna be. This will be some fun ones here. All right. DN. This is going back all nope. the way to the beginning of the stream. So anybody right. here? Yes, we are here. <laughs> am I in live? Am I in live chat or on the comment section? Is uh, this you're, live? you're in the live. Yeah. I don't know. Um. <laughs> Hey, yeah, no hey, hey. All right. Marvel was dead a dead horse when Iron Man 2 came out, yet you guys keep beating it. Yes, we do. <laughs> we are beating it here live. Six people that work at Marvel Studios. You got us. We have been the silver pirate. <laughs> God, whatever. You you Boom. found us. You've caught us. Yeah. Sorry. No, this, man. this this high-tech set is what Marvel Cash gets you. Um I'm Eddie. totally Marvel. I'm actually in Marvel Studios right now. That's that's yeah, subterfuge. That Hello, everyone. Right. On the phone. You look like Milton in the basement of Office Space. That's what <laughs> Where's my your stapler. red stapler? I don't have a stapler, but I got a Batman fidget box. That'll work. Nice. Um, okay. Petty says, hello, everyone. It's been a long time since the whole gang has been together. How does David change shaved and with glasses? It's good to have <laughs> the most mighty critics back. All right. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Playing the, the part of Dave will be Jeff. The Russos have set back cinematography idiot. two decades, and now we get that idiot James Cameron, who have totally Ooh. lost his marbles. Um, Disagree. I don't know about the cinematography stuff, because as Annie was mentioning, like Infinity War and Endgame, movies that I liked Infinity War more than I liked Endgame, oddly enough. Yes. But yes. I would not Same. ding the cinematography on that. Plus, I mean, uh, was it Captain America... Uh, Civil War. I think that's mm -hmm. still my favorite. I think that's still my favorite of the Marvel films, um, both in terms of like storytelling and, and visuals. So you know, Shakana Sangut. Yeah. Avinash says it's funny how they show the box office worldwide, but the whole world isn't drowning in the same woke wave they are. Can't enjoy their stuff because I don't understand their politics. We live outside the USA. Fair that's enough. That's a fair point. I mean, like what Annie said with the social justice warrior 
Cassie yeah. stuff like it. That's Hold a, on a minute. Hey, an American thing. Have I ever said the word social justice warrior? <laughs> no, but I'm not going to let you put words in my mouth on this stream. Oh, okay, fair because enough. Because that is no, she did no, not no, say no. that. Because you know she what? Uh, working in political spheres, I've learned that these terms are nothing but bug buzzwords that you're going to use True. to rally yourself up, and you're going to label people just because someone said something that you don't want to hear. Um, mm -hmm. I wouldn't say that she's a social justice warrior. I think that's a representation of someone who is who is a white woman living in California. There is. I got you. I got you. That's, there's a big difference, and you can take your politics and you can discuss that off the stream. But I'm not here to do that. I'm here to talk about what happened, and that was it. That was the extent. <laughs> they're freedom fighters. They're talking about fighting for freedom. She wanted justice. They're heroes. They're fighting for the better of the world. If that is our climate right now, homelessness homelessness is everywhere. It's not just an American issue. Well, mm -hmm. yes. Uh, okay. The Film Fan Club says Scott Lang did nothing wrong. <laughs> Except agreeing to be in this movie, but that's more Paul Rudd. Um, <laughs> I'm not Scott's wrong for not just slapping that brat of a daughter at least once. Ooh. It's better to learn a lesson from your family than to have that happen outside one day. What are they even teaching about fam? Well, we're not going to advocate slapping kids uh, here on the stream, but uh, point taken. S slapping me you're, is okay, but slapping kids, no, you can slap me. But you're you're like a big kid, Mark. You're sitting there. You're in a Batman baseball cap and t-shirt. <laughs> of course, I'm in a Marvel shirt, so I guess it's a draw. So um, again, again, yeah, I didn't have to pay for this because Kevin Feige sent me this autographed. It's on the back. I knew that point. about you. Yeah, yeah, it's better than Marvel Cash. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan Majors doesn't do a bad job. It's not his fault. The script is lousy. I think we're kind of in agreement here. Um, yes. It's. I didn't see Creed two. I didn't. I wasn't that bad, big a fan of the first one, but I saw the Creed three trailer. And partially because Jonathan Majors is in it, I really want to see Creed three. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Has anyone seen that yet? Uh, tomorrow. Yeah, I'll tomorrow. see it tomorrow. You'll have to let me know if it's I, worth checking tomorrow. out. Mm. Yeah. Let's see. Can't wait to see Pregnant Joker in the DC Multiverse Flash. That is a reference to a bit of fake news. There was a a bit in. I think it was the Joker, the man who stopped laughing, which is a okay. miniseries that's going on. It's pretty terrific. There's a backup story in which there's a big kind of thing about it, particularly on, on right-wing media, about how the Joker's pregnant and what are they teaching you know, people. But if you read the story, it's this weird thing where he ingests a bit of clay face and it, like this clay face thing grows inside of his stomach, but the Joker thinks he's pregnant because he's crazy, and it's like this not even thing. But it's a, it's a pretty funny story. Uh, for God's sake, James Gunn had to fire Henry Cavill the way he did. Yes, that oh uh, I'm, uh, I'm not, I'm not a fan of the uh, of the, the Cavill not being around for DC, the next phase of DC. Don't let the door hit you where the good Lord put you, Henry. Well, Gunn you just came out chances. and he said he started writing Superman Legacy six months prior to. Sure. Irons in the fire. Studios do what? it. That exit. So he is not. He's kind of deflecting responsibility. Well, people are putting it on Gun, and yes, I know I'm the DC shill, but just from an outside view and knowing a little bit of the business, but not a whole lot. My suspicion is the the stuff with Cavill and even bringing him back. Gun probably wasn't even brought in in any conversations with that. In all honesty, because even though they pulled the trigger with him being CEO and he was writing his Superman legacy. They don't tell everybody everything in Hollywood. I mean, we talked about how 
uh, this movie, a person learned they were recast through Instagram, you, you know, which is a horrible thing. Producers are doing this now because of social media. They're afraid of what their actors might end up doing beforehand. Mm-hmm. And let's face it, as much as, yes, I enjoyed Cavill as Superman, don't get me wrong, I still have the movies on my shelf, and I will watch Batman v Superman, and you can all hate it, and all of a sudden, <laughs> oh no, but Henry Cavill, why did we let him go? And then they're like, oh, Batman v Superman sucked. Bite it, okay? Look, we got it on the movie, we got Henry Cavill, just like we have we have Christopher Reeve in his role as Superman. We can go back anytime and watch it. Yes, I would love to still watch him in the role. At the same time, not a minute after Cavill is told that he's not going to come back as Superman, he's got three projects lined up. One of them is being executive producer of Warhammer 40,000, which, by the way, doesn't just happen overnight because he lost his job as Superman. Okay? I, I'm Irons just, in the fire. I, what exactly? What I'm him. just trying to say and that's is, his thing. He's been so vocal about being this massive nerd. Like I've seen videos of, like he's like, I missed my Superman call because I was too busy building my PC. I'm gonna go play the <laughs> camera now. I'm playing World of Warcraft. I'm like, this is, you know, this is super cool that he's super into all this. And it sounds like this, even with The Witcher, I was I remember I was on my way up to go see a couple of friends in um, up in Milwaukee up in Wisconsin and they're huge Witcher fans. And I looked at my phone and it was when they decided to announce that Cavill was going to be replaced by Luke Hemsworth. Mm-hmm. And my heart just sunk, but it didn't sing for me. It sang for them because I knew the first thing I was going to say after seeing these people, who I don't see, I see like a handful of times a year face to face was, Oh my God, did you hear about Henry Cavill? Like he died or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and I guess that's just why, why it's frustrating when I see these posts or just like the next comment is, yes, James Gunn was put as CEO of DC, but uh, many of these decisions were seen left over from Snyderverse films were not from him. They were running in parallel right. because the, the DC producers or whatever were hedging their bets is what they were doing. They were running both because just in case this James Gunn thing didn't work out, well, exactly. we still got the Snyderverse stuff that we can just keep going with. But if mm-hmm. it does start to work out and James Gunn does have something planned that we really like, well, then we can end this and we can move on. They ran these things in parallel, folks. Well, and it, but it's it, the only it, reason it, why Gadal, Momoa, and Ezra Miller aren't fired yet. Because well, you, have, you have to sell three movies. And if they work, specifically, great. If they don't, hit the bricks. I think specifically the the main problem people have with the Cabell thing is when Shazam was coming out, yeah. there was a whole big thing about how he announced, right. yep, I've been having some conversations and I'm coming back as Superman. And there was a great, I did watch the post-credit scene for Shazam on YouTube because someone put it up and I heard like, there's no way. And yes, and it was a nice scene. I had no context for whatever it was. It was nice to see him back in the cape with the idea that maybe they're going to do something with him again. And then like a month later, he announced, well, you know, we had a meeting with James Gunn and whatever the other guy's name is, and it's not going to work out. And people, I was, you know, bothered by it because I still don't think we've gotten to see what Henry Cavill can do in a proper Superman film. And I think that's where a lot of the, the hurt comes from is because people are thinking, and I know, Mark, you've got your feelings about the Snyderverse and, and the treatment of Superman and everything, but there is, I think, a more pure to the comics version 
that Henry Cavill could do. And maybe they'll do that with uh, whoever they bring in for the next version. But I think it's going to be that, that person and that script, honestly, is going to have to knock it out of the park in order for people to not be like they, you know, they had a good thing and they let it go. But didn't um, we have these same exact conversations when Henry Cavill was picked and before that Roth was picked? When they said right. no one could play Superman but Christopher Reeve. No, it's yeah. a different. It's a different situation. It's a different it's, situation because we had films with this beloved actor in this role that people kept thinking so that they had gotten it. They had gotten it wrong. Yeah. Um, you know, Ralph wasn't. You know, the the t there had been twenty years or thirty or something like that between Reeves yeah. and and Ralph, and they couldn't bring Reeves back for Superman. No one had ever said no, no one can play Superman again. I remember that was one of the, <laughs> well, the reasons that Ralph was praised was because he bore a resemblance and sort of did uh, acted in a way that reminded people of Christopher Reeve as if that was a continuation of those yes. original films, which it was sort of meant to be. Um, and then Cavill, I think people were like, he looks great and you know no one really remembers superman returns because all i did was lift a damn plane um yeah so all right we could be here all night but we got a couple more comments more fun i we got uh, <laughs> a lot of a lot of great folks joining us here tonight ezra miller isn't fired because gun is a pedophile sympathizer wow Ooh, there it is this is that's wow well, we've all gotten right. to that part of youtube he does prefer ezra uh -huh. and amber over henry there this panel is. sounds like when Stalin had a private tribunal for Trotsky and Marvel is Trotsky. This is, <laughs> I think, I think oh, we've been politics. invaded by chat, by chat GPT. This is what I think. Yeah. Since no one asked Jeff, what do you think of all this matter? What? Okay. Jeff, what do you think of all this matter? Um, well, I think I said quite a bit already, but I, uh, I just um, I found a lot of it entertaining. I find a lot of these movies very entertaining and clever and, and fun to watch. Uh, I worry that it's just getting way too complicated and all this stuff that has very little to do with storytelling and like a, just even the last few minutes of conversation. It's like it's a lot of stuff that is all behind the scenes, which is you know fine if you're following Hollywood. But my worry is all that kind of stuff starts to become the the you know, sort of the bitterness that starts to taint these projects when I'm hoping mm -hmm. that if James Gunn is going to take over DC, that I wish him well with it. And, you know, hopefully his vision will be a little more fun, maybe a little more uh, separate than some of the things that Snyder was going for. I think Snyder did some very good things. I think ultimately it was a little bit dark and down and dour. But um, my concern mostly is this phase five, because I, I thought this was going to be like Annie said. I, I really like the Ant-Man movies because they were small. They were kind of modest. They didn't spend a lot of special effects money. Every shot in this new movie is green screen. It's all green screen. I question whether Michael Douglas is even in a scene with uh, Paul Rudd. I don't know. He <laughs> right? may not have been. It might have been shot like Rodriguez did uh, Sin City, which worked okay down there in uh, Austin for, for that movie. But here, it, it, I think it seems very disconnected, and I think it's too ambitious and too much going on. And I'm a smart guy, but I sat there next to Annie, sometimes wanting to, and I resisted all my elbows saying, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> Are you tracking this shit? I, what, that something? I'm sorry, was there a pamphlet that they handed out to get me uh, prepped on this? Because it was a little much. I, you know, I they gave us the, the magnifying glasses. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, that was, was on the back of that. That's where the story was. <laughs> that was to look at the expectations for your movie. Oh, very funny. Good. Nice. Mike, I wanted to know what your, your, your thoughts were with some of the camera work, because for me, the, the camera work on this, especially when you had the dialogue, that scene with, you know, while you, Bill Murray and, and Michelle Pfeiffer and, you know, you had that wonderful exchange, the way it was shot and edited, it's all headshots and very close yeah. or medium shots. You barely see the background mostly. And I was thinking, well, maybe that's because they're trying to hide the fact this is all on a green screen stage. But a lot of the dialogue and a lot of the conversations, rather than getting a bit of a scope of where everybody is situated as far as orientation goes, it was kind of hard to tell where everybody was sitting at one point at a table. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. weird. The way the way they shot it is very much like how George Lucas shot the prequels. It's just master and then camera A, camera B, or really right. should be camera A is master than B and C, but you get it otherwise. Right. And the problem is they, they shoot it in this very flat style so they can turn it around at a good time for the visual effects department. But in doing so, there's no real individuality to to the film or or, or mark stamps to it where it'll make you go wow this is an amazing looking movie because at the end of the day it is a marvel movie that all shares the same uniform color grading because if they break from that then it'll probably break from their visual continuity and they don't want to do that but because you have this huge world with these flat shots it looks like you're watching something that is filmed in the egg rather than you know <laughs> done on the spot with the huge uh crew behind you but yeah, it, yeah it's the way they shoot it though it's, it's boring to see it's boring to see i want to see more i i find more character out of new york city than i find it <laughs> all of the purple yeah. and blue and red. didn't you say you like the cinematography though i like the visual it effect. sounds like you're kind of going back and forth here no no i'm glad i'm glad you're correcting me on that i like the <laughs> i like the visual effects overall but the cinematography was okay. very basic because cinematography has to be shot a certain way in order for your background to match perfectly and that was kind of the sacrifice they made so apologies if that was a little unclear no, I'm I don't know because how... I, I don't want to I want to make sure I'm understanding you understanding oh, no, no. you correctly. And especially yeah, sure. with the color grading where there have been some really vibrant additions into the cinematic universe previously, where mm -hmm. we've kind of seen that color grading fizzle out and kind of bottom out where it's just a, a black screen against a blacker screen in the background. Yeah. I remember mm -hmm. when they uploaded Wakanda Forever on Disney Plus, there was a lot of complaints like my my screen is at full brightness, why can't I see anything? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, well, and the thing is, if you look at something like Loki, it doesn't look the same as all the other Marvel shows. It really just pops. Like I remember that first when um, when Loki first sees the uh, uh, what's the name of the organization? The, the, TVA. the TVA. Yeah, yeah. When he's first inside of the TVA and he walks by the window and, it, and he looks outside the door and there's these beautiful metropolis-inspired arches for. For buildings. Wait, 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 wait. Going back to your thing on Loki here. End of Loki. Loki doesn't remember Mobius. So why are they together? Who I mean, knows? that's that's probably like from episode three or something. Yeah, it's something season. I have to, the, the, yeah, the, I don't think it's a direct <laughs> More homework. Yeah. <laughs> no. Another variant Loki. What the hell is going on? on here? There you go. Yeah. Yeah, Jeff's going like to lose his mind. That was the end. Was that he didn't remember him? They'll explain. It's just like the they had one of the teaser scenes at the end of one of the Marvel movies from one of the earlier phases 
where it showed that uh, Cap and Falcon had captured uh, the Winter right. Soldier. They had his arm right, in the yeah. vice. That yeah. was from like the middle of like the next Civil, movie or something like Civil that. War. So it's it's yeah. not it's not yeah. a it's not a direct bridge. Um, at least yeah. I hope not, because that would just be wild. Because they can't just forget that they didn't know each other at the end of Loki, the show that they're making a sequel to. Um, all right, so I do want to wrap this up. With a couple more fun ones here. Uh, let's see. You can have all the messages and lessons of life you want in a movie as long as the movie is enjoyable. Movies were more fun than screaming toxic fans at the screen. Does that mean you're screaming toxic fans at the screen or toxic fans are screaming at the screen? Either way, it sounds like a party. Um, yeah. Man of Steel is the best superhero film ever since Marvel rolled out their garbage with Iron Man. Oh, good God. That's, okay. It's a contrarian Olympics. No, it's 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 a uh, comic book chat G, uh, GPT. Um, it's so Dower is nothing better to do than. Hey, hey, hey! They are participating in our live stream. That it's the only place to be. Uh, and then Dower is not the adjective to describe the movies of Snyder. Um, it's one of them. Mark, that one. That was, that's for you. There you go. Yeah, you yeah, you a, a fan. Um, all right. I'd so, say sullen and gloomy is actually. What is the definition of dour? Is a rather uh, is a rather appropriate uh, word to describe a lot of the, the, the lot tone and as well as the dark cinematography. But uh, I, we can argue about semantics. I have I as much as I'm the DC show, I will fully <laughs> recognize the warts and all, but I still enjoy the films, much like a lot of the Marvel fans. In all honesty. You know, I think part of the I've seen a lot of, oh, don't believe the critics just go. I enjoy Me the too. film every yeah. time I see that. I'm like mad props that they enjoy the film. On the yeah. other hand, it's also brings back the joke that Eddie Murphy had in Raw when he said, wait, wait when, can you say that on the stream? Yes. Yes. <laughs> you, you can say, I don't know. Let's ask bullshit not, Jeff York up there. Don <laughs> might know what, I, what I'm talking about is he talks about how you'll be in a relationship with someone and they won't have sex with you and won't have sex with you and won't have sex with you for like three months. And then when they have sex with you, it is the best sex you've ever had. He goes, and in a way I feel almost like quantum mania as far as some people's, enjoyment of it and looking past the warts is kind of like that phase four turned so many people off they were looking for anything that resembled the marvel that they had and you do have that here in a lot of things that play out and i'm not faulting people for enjoying what they enjoy i'm just saying that there was so much disillusioned or, or you know things that were uh worrisome in the other phase that this one at least feels the most like the older Marvel films, uh, you know, as far as a, a direction, the way the, the story kind of goes, uh, not as solid, but definitely better than most of what the previous phase offered. And I think that is where some of the appeal is coming from as well, is the fact that, hey, you know, this one's all right. I bet you the next one's going to be even better. Guardians of the Galaxy 3, that's a prime example of how they abandoned a solo story for the greater good because how many people are going to have to go back to watch guardians of the galaxy 2 to remember adam warlock was teased mm -hmm. at the end of that film and how long ago was guardians volume 2 uh, almost exactly six years that movie came yeah. out the day before my youngest was born so, um i hope right. i didn't offend people with that joke but i'm just saying that go ahead part of part of the hey, reason no. with it is i think you know it's the most resembling a Marvel film of recent Marvel films. 
which is good because it's a Marvel film. Now, I am shutting down the comments after this last one. So this is for you, Mark. All the superfluous talk about color grading, come on, wouldn't be warranted when discussing <laughs> the movie of Snyder's because the movies are visually tasteful. There you go, Mark. That's I would you. say they're visually more alive. There's more going on than the flat shots that you usually yeah. get on the screen. You know, you look at a Zack yeah. Snyder film, you can look at one frame of that and go, whoa, that's a Zack Snyder film. You know, you look at a Marvel film, it looks like any other movie, really, with the way that's it's true. shot. Because they have to go through so many directors. You know, they don't they don't go, okay, we're going to get behind this one director's vision. You know, they're going through a team of directors. If anyone's the true visionary behind it, it's probably Kevin Feige, who's overlooking everything. And you have to go by his whatever his master plan is going to be. Well, I would say in recent years, Kevin Feige has overlooked a lot. Um, cause I think Mark, it might've been you earlier at the beginning. You said you saw it and it was like, yeah, this is a Marvel film. Cause yeah, that's right. You posted that in our kind of mm -hmm. Facebook group. It's strange how that has come to mean something completely different in the last half decade. <laughs> it used to be like, this is a Marvel film. And there was a lot of, mm -hmm. so what Annie was saying that the midnight anticipation, mm -hmm. the making plans mm -hmm. to see it is like a, almost like appointment television, but it's appointment, you know, pop mm -hmm. cinema. And now it's like, yeah, it's a Marvel movie. That's yikes. Okay, it like I lied. Almost. Hmm? It almost becomes like a slang term. It's like, oh, it's a Marvel movie. <laughs> I don't want to. Thanks, Scorsese. Be slang for it. Oh yeah, it's a it's a roller coaster. Um, okay, so <laughs> I lied. There's one last comment because we uh -oh. got to get Petty in here. Until now, I didn't know how much I missed this roundtable. Ian, thanks for bringing them back. Well, thank you, uh -oh. Petty, for for being here and hanging out. Now, well, I know we've been kind of down on Ant Man three. Uh, I want to leave on a positive note. We'll come back after this, but I do have uh, a different opinion that I'd like to share. I've never done this before, so hopefully this will work. Um, yeah, let's see if the... Well, what, see. Do you remember oh, what the full title of wait, it is? Wait, wait, hold on. Luke, we, we saw a movie yesterday, didn't we? Yes. What did we see? We saw Ant-Man 3. What, do you remember what the full title of it is? It's a long one. Ant-Man and the Wasp. What? Quantumania. Yeah, that's a lot. And there was a lot of lot of Quantumania going on in this movie. So uh, did you like this movie? I, I know we've spent the last like month watching the first two Ant-Man, Ant-Man's movies. And uh, now we have the third one. So you're giving a thumbs up, a really big one? Yeah? Did you love it? What did you love about it? Um... I liked when ant, the ants tried to fight King. <laughs> Luke, that's a spoiler. We're going to have to put a spoiler <gasps> tag on this on this section now. Because you just told everybody the big climax of the movie. Yeah, hang your head in shame. No, get back up here. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that was... So who is Kang? Kang is the big bad of the entire movie. Yeah, so what, is, what does he do? What, why is he a bad guy? He's a bad guy because he could destroy any planet in oh. the entire space world. Oh, and like all the multiverses, all the different realities too, right? Yeah. And and who's who's trying to stop him? Ant-Man and his friends. Yeah? So what? how do they try and stop him? What do they do? They they tried and... Uh... <laughs> Okay, you can pick one thing they try and do. There's a lot, lot going on in this movie. It's a long movie. Try to you gotta lean into, lean into the mic, so people can hear you. 
they tried sending a big Ant-Man army that destroyed Kang. Yeah. Did they did they succeed? Did the good guys win at the end? Yes. Yeah. Was there anything about this movie that you didn't like? I don't know. Tell no, me. it was a perfect a perfect movie for you. Yes. Yeah. What? Uh, okay. So if there's an Ant Man four, are we gonna go see it? Yeah. All right. We saw this in IMAX, right? It wasn't it wasn't the fully big IMAX, but it was a pretty big screen. How does this rate compared to seeing like DC League of Super Pets in a regular theater? It was very, very twice as big. Well, I'm I'm glad that we get to, got to see Ant Man three on the big big screen with mom, and it was it was a fun excursion. We'll have to get your brother to come see one of these movies with us, right? Maybe Mario. Yeah, yeah, we got to rope him in somehow. But uh, anyway, thank you, Luke, for for talking movies with me again. We'll be back probably next month talking about some dungeons and maybe some dragons too, huh? Ooh. What? I want to do like goofy part. You want to do a goofy part? Okay, well, well, hold on. We got to say thank you, everybody, for watching, and then we'll do something goofy. So, thank you, everybody, for watching. Now, Luke, what do you want to do that's goofy? <laughs> there you go. Someday this will all be yours, kid. <laughs> Heaven forbid. Um, anyway, <laughs> thank you for indulging me in that, um, and and thank you for for hanging out and talking. Uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania. This went on much longer than I thought it would. The comments were uh, stranger than fiction, and uh, but I do appreciate everybody and their points of view. Uh, even though we may not share them, we do appreciate them. Uh, so, yes. Thank you. Um, I'm going to just give everyone else uh, one last quick shout-out. I'm, as always, Ian Simmons of Kicking the Seat. We have Jeff York of The Establishing Shot, Annie of uh, Annie Banks of Chuckload of Comics, The Mary Sue, and uh, other projects uh, to be named or not named. Very exciting stuff. Don Shanahan of Every Movie Has a Lesson, 25YL, and Cinephile Hissy Fit Podcast, episode 100 coming this Friday, right? Ooh. All right. Mm -hmm. Mike Crowley. Oh, and also your 100th appearance on the Kicking the Seat podcast. Thank you very much, sir. Mike Crowley of YPA Reviews. Mark the Movie Man Krawcheck of the Spoiler Room and Special Mark Productions. Thanks, everybody. Uh, we're not going to be back for comic book movies probably until May because I'm going back on hiatus. This movie did not convince me to uh, leave my my shell early. I didn't see my <laughs> comics movie Shadow or whatever it was. But uh, I do appreciate you hanging out for this special instance. We will be back because uh, I think next week, if I have this right, we're going to be back talking about a TV show called The Mandalorian. Um, and also uh, a bear named Cocaine. Yes. If I have that understanding. <laughs> correct. So, uh, yeah, check uh, check the Kicking the Seat YouTube channel for more information. Check the description below for uh, all my lovely and talented guests, uh, guest hosts, information, websites and stuff. And um, yeah, till next time, whenever that is, whatever that is. Thanks. Take care and uh, go Ant-Man and the Wasp mm. and Quantum Mania. Mm. Yeah.